welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com podcasts. The reason you can still see a bald eagle, a humpback whale, or the California condor is the Endangered Species Act, the landmark law that has protected fish, plants, and wildlife since it was signed into law by President Richard Nixon. But now the Trump administration has announced changes that will profoundly weaken the act. Polar bears and seals, whooping cranes, and beluga whales are some of the animals that are at risk. Joining me is Pat Parento, an environmental law professor at Vermont Law School. Pat, explain how the Trump overhaul will change the act. Well, probably the most significant change is that the administration is saying that they will now take economics into account at the stage at which you decide whether a species should be listed. The statute clearly prohibits that. The case law over the last 45 years has reinforced that. So the idea that you would include in your consideration the, the economic costs, of course, which are very speculative at the earliest stages, is, is just flatly illegal. The Trump administration is claiming that they don't intend to actually rely on the economic data when they make the decision, but nevertheless they're going to consider it and disclose it. And the law says that, that agencies cannot consider irrelevant or improper factors when they're making decisions. And I would say that the consideration of economic costs has nothing to do with whether or not a species is in danger. That's a purely scientific question. So I, I don't have any doubt that the courts are going to strike that particular aspect of the rule down. It's supposed to be about the science, not the price tag. What about the impact of climate change? Is that also being taken out of the consideration? Yes, they're, they're narrowing the definition of what's reasonably foreseeable, and they're requiring a higher level of proof um, that climate change will, in fact, uh, jeopardize species such as the polar bear, the ring seal, the bearded seal, the penguins, the wolverine. These are all species that are very much at risk from the changes that climate change is, is creating within their habitats, whether they're in the Arctic or in the high elevation habitat of species like the wolverine. We know beyond doubt that climate change is altering their habitats to the point where if it continues, they will go extinct. It's just a matter of time, and that time may be decades, not, not centuries. So the idea that you are going to raise the bar of, of proof of when and how climate change is going to drive these species to extinction, again, it flies in the face of the policy and the language of the Endangered Species Act. The Supreme Court in the, in the famous Teleco Dam case said the statute is the institutionalization of caution. And so the idea is that you act while there's still time to avoid extinction, not wait until the science is conclusive, by which time it's too late. The Environmental Species Act is a pretty popular law among the public, and as you mentioned, a landmark law. So what groups are going to benefit from this? Oil and gas industry, fossil fuel industry, uh, to some extent uh, users of public lands, people that graze livestock, uh, timber companies, mining companies, uh, mostly extractive industries. The, The real damage to endangered species habitat comes from these really large industrial-scale extractive industries. Um, Urban sprawl certainly contributes a significant amount of habitat loss as well, pollution, invasive species. But 
the, the really big hit on species habitat is coming from the consumption of natural resources that are way beyond the capacity of ecosystems to recover in time to save these species from extinction. We've talked before about lawsuits to try to save northern spotted owls and snail darters and, and other uh, creatures. And Massachusetts and California have said that they are going to file a lawsuit against this revision by the Trump administration. Does, is that an uphill battle or an easier case? Well, it's going to depend on each issue. Like I said, on the economic question, I, I think there's a 90 percent certainty that the courts will strike that down, that, that at, a, at best it's an irrelevant factor, and at worst it's poisoning the decision-making process and, of course, riling up all kinds of political opposition to listing. Some of the other changes they've made, one in, in, in particular where they're no longer going to automatically protect species that are listed as threatened, as opposed to endangered. That's probably, frankly, within their discretion. So that's going to be a hard one to challenge legally. But practically, what that means is species that are listed as threatened, and that's the way most of the species are currently being listed, will, will not have the same protections that they have had historically unless and until the Fish and Wildlife Service adopts a rule that defines what constitutes harm to the species. problem with that is that the Fish and Wildlife Service doesn't have the budget to, to even keep up with the current uh, workload that they have. They're way behind. They have been for years in listing species and designating critical habitat and protecting them. So this is just another layer of bureaucratic workload for which they don't have the resources or the budget and for which the Trump administration has proposed to cut the Fish and Wildlife Service budget for 2020 by 50 percent. So the administration is talking out of both sides of their mouth. On the one hand, they're saying they're trying to make this act more efficient and, and more effective. And on the other hand, they're saddling the Fish and Wildlife Service with demands for which they don't have resources. And, and haven't there been some species that have not been saved despite the Endangered Species Act? I'm thinking, I think it's the caribou? Yes, the woodland caribou sadly has now disappeared uh, from the United States territory they formerly occupied in Montana. The very last living survivor of the woodland caribou died this year. There's still a small herd of woodland caribou in Canada, but we've lost that part of our natural heritage. And there's been about eight species that have gone extinct waiting to be listed. So anything that you do to further complicate and delay the listing process increases the likelihood that these species are going to go extinct by the time they do get listed. The scientists call it an extinction vortex. When these species begin to decline and they drop below a critical population mass, they're pretty much goners, no matter what we tried to do. You mentioned the condor. only reason we saved the condor is we collected all the ones that were in the wild, took them into captivity, and bred captive uh, condors and then released them. That's the only way they saved that population. Thank you so much for joining us, Pat. That's Pat Parento. He's a professor at Vermont Law School. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.